Hello, and welcome back for another Toasted Tale with me, Jim. I'm really happy you decided to join me today around the fireside. If, like me, you enjoy hearing stories, then you've come to the right place. I think there are interesting stories to be found in every subject. They're just waiting to be found and then shared. In this podcast, we're going to take a random subject and use it as a seed to do some research and in that time, I'll do my best to find a story within that hopefully I and you will find enjoyable. So, let's bring in the Wheel of Fortune style spinner, give it a turn, and find out what today's subject will be. Alrighty then. So, today it's landed on the coat of arms of Paris. Now, I've been to Paris before. But I didn't know I had a coat of arms. You know, the sort of thing that, like, a royal family would have on a shield, you know. Um, you're not listening to someone who's an expert on the coats of arms of the world, or someone who's looked into this subject at all, really. I'm just a guy who likes taking a random subject, finding out some interesting stories within, and learning a thing or two along the way. So as not to keep you all waiting around, I've completed the research on the Parisian coat of arms, and I'm really excited to share with you today what I found. Let's get to it. Firstly, I want to take a moment to appreciate how important stories are, especially the ones we tell ourselves. A lot of what we understand about our own self comes from the story we have built up around our character. Now, the ability to do this can apply to organisations we've worked for, countries you live in, and how we feel about ourselves when life tugs us along its endless road. For example, if you in yourself believe that you are naturally lucky, you will probably put yourself in situations that will allow your natural luck to win you more opportunities in life, and so progress. If you believe that in your story, you are going to be someone who does great deeds, climbs tall mountains, runs great races, then there is a good chance that you will become that person. Conversely, if you're someone who believes that life's always out to get you, and you've always been the one where people have put you down, and that's never going to change, then you will look at the world in a certain way and see all the negatives. See the people doing you wrong. If you truly believe there's a part of you that you don't like, but there is no way that it can change, then the chances of you putting in the time and effort to make the improvements in that area are very slim. And it has this downward spiral effect as well, because then you don't improve, so then you see the next time that someone takes advantage of that weakness of yours, and you go, ah, oh, again, the world's hit me down, and again, that weakness that's a part of me will probably always be a part of me. Everyone that knows me knows that it's part of my soul. What's the point in trying to change something that is so intrinsically me? I really love the motto on the coat of arms of Paris. The capital city of France has, quote, she is tossed by the waves, but does not sink, 
End quote. Not only is that a good story that anyone can tell themselves, but tells the tale of a flexible yet unyielding city, which takes the storms of time with poise and resilience. It gives us a beautiful window into the spirit of the city of Paris, which has been built up over its long history. Now, the city has had a great affinity with ships on the water of the River Seine, which passes through the capital. And they have held an important part in the development of Paris throughout the last 2,000 years. When the first crest of the city was created in 1393, therefore, it was indeed a circular waxen seal of a ship travelling across rippling water. We are getting ahead of ourselves, though. I want to take us back a little bit further to the very beginnings of the city, to really understand how it grew into the powerhouse we know today, and why there is a ship sailing serenely on Paris's blazon. Rewinding the clock almost two millennium, in 52 BC, when Gaul was being incorporated into the Roman Empire, the new rulers had plans for the city, that was at the time called Lutetia, where they would settle the current inhabitants of the area, the Parasisi tribe, on a small island in the River Seine, where they would build their new city on the river's left bank. The city would of course grow and expand over the centuries, but always kept the Seine River at its centre. For the people living in the city, before and after it was named Paris, the Seine was the lifeblood which allowed people to flourish. It gave them food in fish, watered cattle, and enabled people to tend to the land and grow food for the ever-expanding population. For those entrepreneurially minded as well, the stretch of water was an opportunity to make some money from people who wanted to travel from one side of the city to the other with boat and ferry owners able to use their river-faring ability to extract coin from their fellow Parisians. The river was such a powerful force, influencing the rhythm of the city, that in the 13th century, the Prévost des Marchands, the ancestor of the mayor of Paris, responsible for the traffic, taxes and public works, was exclusively chosen by the Corporation des Marchands de Lou, which is in English the Water Trader Corporation, to have exclusive rights for cruising the River Seine. It was under Philippe Auguste, King of France between 1190 and 1223, where the blazon of the city was first seen. It was mainly a symbol of the trading might of the city, being represented by a boat on the river. Philippe Auguste, or King Philip II, who was monarch of France at this time, oversaw a Paris going through the early Middle Ages, where it was growing very rapidly and soon extended from the hill of Montagne Saint Genevieve, overlooking the left bank of the Seine, all the way to the road leading to the Abbey of Saint Denis on the eastern side of the river. On the orders of the king, a new wall began construction in 1190 to surround this area, paid for by the city. 
and was completed in 1213, enclosing 253 hectares on both sides of the river. This was built during the struggles between the French king and the Anglo-Norman House of Plantagenet, when before leaving for the Third Crusade to retake the Holy Land, Philip ordered the wall built to protect the capital in his absence. Fortifications ran along either side of the Seine River, probably understanding the weak underside of the city, where invaders could enter via the river. Knowing this and fearing how appealing that would be, the walls were constructed. Now, the Paris coat of arms was also used to reflect the importance of the Guild of Watermen of Paris. They indeed were a corporation who played a major political and economic role in the development of the capital throughout the centuries. Its members retained the monopoly for traffic on the Seine, Marne, Oise, and Yonne, controlling the exchanges over these rivers and collecting levies. Over the centuries, they became wealthy merchants and entrepreneurs, and so, in 1246, Paris was a large city at this point, that needed a separate administration. In 1260, Louis IX therefore granted the residents of Paris the freedom to elect their aldermen. These échevins were members of the powerful guild of watermen. In 1358, Charles V made changes to the city's coats of arms by adding lilies, the symbol of the king. Interestingly, he also built more walls in the city, adding to the ones beside the River Seine, he too understanding its importance to the city. Maybe unsurprisingly to some, but this was a time where France was once again at war with England. This time they were fighting the 100 Years' War. Like rivaling siblings, the French and English always seemed to like butting heads. As the years went on, symbols will be added or changed on the crest. For example, lilies, crowns, stars, olive branches maybe. Under Napoleon even, bees will be added. Once again, Napoleon, his time ruling France, taking it on its wars, was a very violent time, very disruptive for many. And it was in those years that war practically became the business of France and its leadership. And when the French get warring, business starts booming. The most recent iteration of the coat of arms dates from June the 20th, 1942. This was the same year where the Second World War was raging, and France and Paris itself had been taken over by the Germans of the Third Reich. In its history, France has been one of the most war-ready countries to have ever existed. While it's difficult to know the exact amount of wars they've been a part of, I was able to find websites putting it as the country who have won the most battles overall throughout history. It appears that as a country, its people do not settle easily, and are used to facing challenges throughout the ages. Maybe it's appropriate then that the symbol of their capital is a ship floating on choppy waters, tossed around, but never sunk. The story of the city, its country, and its exciting but turbulent past 
really makes me think deeply about how we, as people, approach the problems we have in life. As in the Latin of Paris's motto, Flutua nec mercitu, if we can be the ship that never goes down, regardless of the opposition we face, we too may be able to be as enduring and impressive as Paris itself. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today around the fireside and giving me a reason to do a deep dive on the coat of arms of Paris. I really enjoyed looking into this subject, learning a bit more about this famous historic city, and being able to share with you the stories I found along the way. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, then we release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday every week. You can get updates of when new episodes are released by following me on either Twitter or Facebook. My handle is at podcasttale, and it's there where I post updates of new episodes, what I'm researching at the time, and anything else I find interesting. So follow me at podcasttale for more. If you really like the show as well, then sharing, liking, and commenting on the Toasted Tale podcast on your favourite podcasting platform is a really good way to help the show grow and helps me understand what bits you like, what bits you're not too keen on and allows me to create a better product in future. So thank you for all who consider doing that as well. I hope you all have a lovely rest of day and I'll be able to speak to you all again soon for another Toasted Tale where we can explore another random subject in the world around the fireside.